All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome to Bizzlecast 49, which is the state of the superhero in 2016, with my a buddy and partner in crime, Maddie G, a.k.a. Goose. We, as usual, did a super long podcast um, that was, you know, two and a half hours like we usually do. However, it really split neatly in half. Um, the first half we talked about TV properties, which we've been wanting to do for a while, especially because some of the best on the CW network like Arrow and Flash are DC properties, and Matt is a very uh, big DC fan and expert and historian, and so we spend a lot of time talking about Arrow and Flash. I'm going to release that one separately um, as a, uh, you know, a, a TV superhero podcast, but considering the success of Civil War and the fact that, you know, all the, the Bizzlecast contributors uh, that I've had on to talk about it really liked it, um, and the fact that Batman v Superman bombed and Deadpool was a runaway smash hit that no one saw coming, X-Men Apocalypse is already getting middling reviews, and then we don't really have any uh, other superhero movies until Suicide Squad in August, which could go either way, as far as I can tell, in terms of quality, and then Doctor Strange in November, which should be pretty cool. And so I'm going to jump right into it. You know, this was the second half of the conversation, so, uh, you know, we, we really pivoted here. And went right into the state of the superhero, mostly about movies, but talk a little TV and tease some of the TV topics for later. So this will be Bizzlecast 49. Uh, I'm not sure what the designation for the other half of this podcast will be, maybe 49.5. Coming up on big number 50, I can't believe it. Uh, Things have been going great. Also check out on Bizzlecast TV on SoundCloud. I'm releasing uh, commentary for the full Jessica Jones uh, television run, 13 episodes on Netflix. Won the Peabody Award, nominated for Hugo, and tons of other awards. Is really my favorite TV show by far in 2015, and one of my favorites uh, in general in the last five to ten years. It's up there with The Wire and Battlestar and Breaking Bad, Vikings, Homeland, and so forth. So you can find those episodes and more TV shows that I'll be releasing. Just go to SoundCloud.com and search for Bizzlecast TV, and it should come right up. You also should join my Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash Bizzlecast. Uh, where I post all of the Bizzlecasts, uh, including the new Bizzlecast TV properties and lots of articles, especially about Black Panther, uh, which we will get into. One of the fun parts of this podcast uh, is that the Michael B. Jordan announcement happened during the podcast, and I go totally crazy. So there's a lot of Black Panther talk. We're very excited about the future, despite some setbacks, and I'm going to jump right in with my boy, Maddie G. So here we go. All right, man. Well, after Deadpool took the world by storm mm-hmm. by making fun of comic book movies, but still being very much a comic book movie. Yep. Had a extremely wide audience. Talk about throwing the one thirds, two thirds theory out the window. That was half and half essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, but, but that was one of those, it didn't hit, it, it wasn't one third, two thirds because the American total was so much higher than they thought or expected. Right, like that—that that would have been a movie that if it had made you know 150 here and three or 350 abroad would make more sense. But man, they made over 350 both here and abroad. Yep. Um, you know, a, a much better investment than Batman v Superman. Now Cap is going to surpass Deadpool. Um, but even if it surpasses Deadpool by a few hundred million, I, I would still say Deadpool is the most successful in terms of investment to return. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had the horrible Batman v Superman, which critics hated. Is still somehow liked by people that I some people that I know. 
uh, including Gabriel, who defended it in the last podcast. Um, but you know, generally considered not great and did not do well abroad at all. Yeah, I think China I, just destroyed it. I think um, Cap's already um, beaten the the foreign total for Batman v Superman. Something um, like that. I mean, it opened better as for the whole weekend. And by the way, it did has by the way uh, in all of its time, BVS was five forty million abroad. Captain America, not even including yesterday, is at five sixty four and climbing go ahead and it should also be noted that batman v superman's audience score which is still 40 points higher than its critic score of 27 percent has dropped consistently week after week after week i mean it started in the 80s and now it's in the 60s i don't think it's going to drop much lower than that but still i mean I, i think early people went on rotten tomatoes and pumped it up and then as everybody started to watch it everybody's i mean 67 percent means one out of every three people that didn't see that saw the movie didn't like it, um, and that's a lot. And to, to paraphrase you about DC, they make mostly shitty movies. Yep. A- and so DC hardcore DC fans have a complex, and so they vote en mass. I'm sure they're finding ways to vote multiple times. Oh yeah. The- Do you know about CinemaGate? Uh, have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. This is a conspiracy theory that. Movie critics are just biased or maybe paid by Marvel to like Marvel Please. and hate DC. I'm not justifying this. This is a thing. This is like Gamergate, but it never it doesn't seem to have caught the same traction. But this is a, a broad conspiracy theory by a particularly toxic group of DC fans. If uh, you want if I mean, I can just prove this in, in two seconds. You don't have to. It's a no, well, let me just, nonsense, but go no, ahead. But, this, but this, is, this feeds into lack of DC quality. All three Dark Knight movies, say what you will, all three Dark Knight movies in terms of both critics and audience score on Rotten Tomatoes places it within the top 20 to 25 percentile mm-hmm. of, of all comic book movies. So you make a good freaking DC movie, it's going to get well-reviewed. Yeah. And Zack Snyder's movies, uh, you know, he's I mean, a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, he's a piece of shit. And so, in some ways, and and this is what we're we're really getting to, which is TV versus movie or TV and with movies, which Matt and I talked about, which is that both TVs and movies have successful and unsuccessful properties right now, and both of them are a little up in the air in terms of the future. Now, I think I think Matt agrees that. Just in terms of sheer potential, because of what we've seen with Arrow and Flash and then Marvel on Netflix, that TV actually is going to have an easier job of it going forward, because there's more you can do in terms of its format, and it's on network, or Netflix, or Amazon, or YouTube, Um, you know, you can go into second, third, fourth tier properties and make them work. Um, you know, you don't have to have the two hour, 15 minute movie experience, which really limits things. I mean, you, you know, have to do 3d or you don't have to conceive a film as something that can be easily turned into 3d. Yeah. You don't have to make a movie that's targeting. It feels like every superhero movie is targeting the same demographic of like boys of age 15 to 25. Yeah. But I mean, let's, let's take, let's just look at, uh, black widow versus Jessica Jones, for example. Okay. So Kristen Ritter who was known from Breaking Bad, but was not famous at all, really, no. before, Jake, uh, before JJ, um, had 13 hours, essentially, to flesh out her character. Mm-hmm. And as such, is not only the most fleshed-out female Marvel character, but arguably the most fleshed-out Marvel character, period, I would say. Um, it, She's it, up there, it, for it, sure. Yeah. 
She's up there. But look at Black Widow. Iron Man 2, they put her in there, you know, for no particular reason other than to introduce her character. She had no dimensionality. Then she was one of the hearts of the Avengers, I thought. Um, we did a, a, our Avengers commentary, and you and I both really like Black Widow, I think, in the first Avengers. And then, you know, how I feel about her with Winter Soldier, that her relationship with Cap is the deepest and most interesting human relationship of the MCU so far, um, and how their arcs... Uh, you know, against all odds, Natasha and Steve's arcs came together in that movie and moved forward big time. Then she was sort of pushed into the background as just a Hulk love story in mm-hmm. Ultron. Um, I wasn't crazy about the writing for her there, but she wasn't bad. She did what she could with it. I, I still love the scene at the beginning of Ultron where she's uh, dressed in the like a like the 20s and the speakeasy music, and she's pouring cocktails and she's talking like you know like old fashioned noir, like hitting on Mark Ruffalo. You know, when they give her good stuff, it, it, it's great, and she's mm-hmm. great with her recent screen time. But now that we're getting the Black Widow movie, we'll finally be able to really compare her to Jessica Jones. After that, I don't feel like it's even a fair comparison now. And so you got Marvel spreading out their properties on Movie Network and the Netflix. They're not double casting anything. It's all technically in the same universe, although you know the MCU is only you know given a, a sideways glance at best in the TV properties. In DC, you've got really strong TV shows. Um, and connectivity between the TV shows, but they really have a TV universe that's separate from the movie universe. And now that Aquaman's being redone, and who knows if the Flash movie even gets made? Yeah, the direct uh, for people who don't know, the Flash, uh, the director walked off the set, and then with Aquaman, they are completely rewriting the script. So the DCEU is on super shaky ground right now. Yeah. Um, uh, but the DC TV EU, I think, has a lot of potential. Yeah, I, I mean, think so, too. Supergirl might be underperforming from a rating standpoint. It's been critically, I'm not going to say acclaimed, but its, it's ratings are, are very good in the critical world, as far as I can tell. Yeah, people are liking Supergirl. It's just, when you go on CBS and you get a CBS budget, you have to produce ratings like NCIS gets. When you go on the CW and you have a CW budget, you don't need nearly that many million people. Right. Um, and so if we just look at the team-ups, for example, and one of the, uh, the points I want to put forward is how difficult it is to do these team-up movies. So you've got the X-Men team-ups. You've got the MCU Avengers team-up. You've got the upcoming Defenders on Netflix team up. Okay. Right. Then you've got the BVS Justice League team up. And then you've got the CW DC team up, right? Those are the five main team ups. The only mm-hmm. ones that have been consistent across the board have been the Marvel ones. Yes. Um, 100%. And we don't know that the Defenders is going to be good as a team up. I think it will because. I think it will too. I mean, if. We know three of the four characters and, and we like them already, right? So at least we'll yeah. have that. Um, I think I think Legends of Tomorrow, they, is, their problem is just it's probably a little slapdash. They're yeah. still getting their feet under them. I, I haven't seen Legends of Tomorrow. I've heard mixed reviews. I would not be surprised if they restructure it for the next season and it gets really good when they can look at the mistakes they've made and figure out where the character arcs are going forward. I hope so. But it, the Justice League looks like a disaster. And uh, <laughs> really, <laughs> to, to bring ourselves all the way back to the beginning with Captain America Civil War... I still think Whedon does the the team up stuff the best, just overall, not just action pieces. I, I just mean you know, in in forming those relationships, 
Um, you know, Ant-Man's hilarious. He's barely in it. Renner, who Matt really dislikes, is barely in it. Scarlet's even barely in it. And she's one of the main characters. It's hard to do with that many characters. Vision and Scarlet Witch. We, we, we've discussed before whether, it, when you compare Deadpool to BVS, whether it's even worth doing 250 million plus uh, budget uh, team-up movies when you can make movies like Deadpool or uh, if we finally get a good Wolverine rated R movie mm-hmm. or some of these more, you know, or the Dark Knight standalone movies. Is it even worth, let me, I'll phrase it as a question. It, 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 are these team-up movies even really worth it a- a- anymore at this point? I would say yes, if for no other reason than so far the two most profitable uh, in terms of just highest total gross uh, movies are team-ups. Nobody's beaten the Avengers and nobody's beaten Ultron yet. Could it happen with a solo character or even a a sort of solo character, which, I I mean, Civil War is not a solo film. It's Avengers two and a half. Could it happen? Sure. It hasn't happened yet. So if you really want the money, and I can't believe the budget for the Avengers is so much higher than uh, than like Captain America: Civil War or Winter Soldier, that uh, you know shooting for the moon with a one and a half billion movie, I think you still try for it. Um, but I will say, after Civil War, I am a lot more confident that the Russos can handle a large scale, many many character film than I was going into it. I, I understand Pete, there are flaws with it. I found flaws with it. But I think that fight scene was very, very, very good. And I certainly think the way they were able to bring in at least bits and pieces of each character without making it feel like, okay, now we have to have the scene with, uh, with Widow. Now we have to have the scene with Falcon. One of the problems with Legends of Tomorrow is it keeps, for, it, it, in a very forced, inorganic way, it has to bring every character into every plot because they're right. stuck on a time-traveling ship with each other. Right. And it really brings down the overall narrative. The yeah. Russos managed to touch on every character without sacrificing anyone's complexity and without destroying the narrative overall and making it just the, now we have the Widow scene, now the Falcon scene, etc. Um, so I'm a lot more confident that they can do a decent job with Infinity War than I was uh, going into it, and they still might bite off more than they can chew with too many characters. But yeah. if they split it in half, and you really have basically one of these teams fighting Thanos in the first one, and then it ends with whoever's team loses tracking down the leader of the other one saying, we need your team's help, and that's the second movie, yeah. I, th- I think they could do a good job with that. I Honestly, I think, uh, you know... As I mentioned before, I really like that the Russos did uh, the sort of mid-range action shooting in The Winter Soldier. You could really see what was going on. Mm -hmm. With 12 characters going at each other, I've seen it twice already. I'm seeing it again with my dad tonight for the third time, and I might see it a fourth time next week just because my little cousins want to see it, and they haven't seen it yet. Mm -hmm. I think that'll be really cute. I mean, they're not that little. They're like 10 and 12, but I think that'd be really cute to see it with them. So I might see it a fourth time, but I I can remember little flashes here there of the airport battle, but they don't dwell on anything long enough. I mean... You know, it's not just about a close-up versus long shots. It's how you know long you you stay on one character or a pair of characters. It's constantly cut, 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 cut. Yeah. You know, I mean, say what you will about Ultron. In the opening battle of Ultron, which is just to get you geeked up, 
you know, there are extended fighting scenes with each of the characters where you, you can see what's going on. It gives them their time. You know, like, I know I've seen it a million times, so it's not a fair comparison, you know, but I remember even after just a couple times of seeing Ultron and the original Avengers, remembering those, I mean, look at the long one shot that we went crazy in our Avengers commentary, Mm -hmm. right? There's nothing even close to that in Civil War. Um, and so while the airport battle was really cool, I, I like when they were doing russo stuff earlier on. And so I'm not feeling that much better. I'm not feeling worse about Infinity War or whatever it's going to be called, but I'm not feeling that much better about it yet. I still think they can improve. Um, but it, it's certainly better than Batman v Superman. And we should mention part of the reason we're doing this now and not after X-Men Apocalypse is that. There has been enough advanced press from enough diversity of sources, including people and podcasters that I know from online and communicate with, mm-hmm. who say it's disappointing at best. And some of these podcast people are, are very um, glasses half full type people. So if they're saying it's iffy at best, that makes me really nervous. So uh-huh. we have to assume BVS is somewhat of a failure. It's possible X Men could be even way more of a bomb financially because I- you don't. Yeah. Might be a bomb financially. I can't. I just. I have a hard time imagining anything being more of a failure on a cinematic level, on a on a translation of a of material level. Yeah, I still think it'll make eight hundred million just because people abroad love the X Men. Even yeah. if it bombs here, I think it makes. Because think about it. All, you know, any like stilted dialogue and stuff, it doesn't translate as much. You know, when, when you're seeing in a foreign language, right? Um, and so it's more about the actions and the visuals, which also have been called into question. Uh, you know, I'm very upset about this because you know how much I love the X-Men. Yep. And I've been playing up Apocalypse mm-hmm. um, in all of our podcasts. And so I need to take a mea culpa. But, you know, I haven't contradicted myself only in the sense of, you know, being consistently unsure about the volume of superhero properties. Yeah. And how just by sheer numbers, a lot of them are going to fail. And, you know, Marvel's in a great situation with Doctor Strange and uh, and Black Panther in particular. We'll see who they cast for Captain Marvel and that they can take a break from the Avengers for a while. And not to take a break, but totally different worlds. I mean, Black Panther, we're in Africa. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Strange, we're going to be, you know, in Asia or wherever, but really in multidimensional reality is going to be most of the movie, I assume, after yeah. the origin stuff. Captain Marvel's cosmic. She could meet up with the we Guardians. We know that. You keep thinking that because there is one Captain Marvel character who is cosmic. But if it's just a, a woman on Earth, Fair I don't enough. know that there is going to be a lot of that cosmic okay. stuff. Well, I'm saying at least it's a possibility. It's a possibility. She can survive in space and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and Spider-Man's going to be, you know, like a Netflix show in the movies in terms of being ground level. It's just going to be way more fun. I mean, it's going to be so fun. It's going to be so funny. You know, we, we already talked about that earlier. So Marvel's in a good place. But, you know, the real showdown is going to be 2018, 2019, when you've got Justice League and the two Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. Assuming Justice League, both parts happen, which I think is questionable at this point. Oh, I, I think that's very questionable. Right. So let's say there's just one Justice League movie and then the two Avengers movies. That's going to be tough, man. That's going to be really, really tough. Who knows where X-Men and goddamn Fantastic Four, I wish they would just go away. Yeah, they just announced there might be a sequel. Uh, they've admitted it's a bad movie. I mean, uh, Kinsberg said, we made a bad movie. That's great. But 
that doesn't mean you're not going to make another bad movie. And that's why I think, you know, I thought before Civil War, and now think even more, that Black Panther could be one of the more sustainable franchises because it's such a different setting and because he's such an untraditional superhero, both in terms of his powers and and how he uses them, but also, as we talked about, T'Challa's sort of... um, standoffishness from the rest of the world right um both in terms of the avengers and the wider world and wakanda's place i i I think you know black panther has a chance to address political themes on such a deeper level beyond what we've seen in the movies from either x-men or the avengers wouldn't you say uh i would say yes um but i would also say any property can do what you you're talking about it doesn't mean any of them will we really thought that we well, were having get... a made up having a made up rich African country that's very rich and very African-y, but surrounded by poor African countries mm-hmm. um, and having, you know, mercenaries from South Africa and imperialism and colonialism. I mean, yes, you can do that with any movie, but Black Panther is specifically about that. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a it's an extremely promising uh, setting. It doesn't mean it's going to be executed well enough to get what we want. You know, I. I wanted a really deep political exploration of what it means to have superheroes in the world, which is kind of what Civil War, the comic, was about. And I didn't really get it. And I still enjoyed it. But I don't know, after not getting it in Civil War, I'm a little worried that Marvel either doesn't want to do that with its properties or it doesn't know how to. Um, I well, I, I, think you, I think you, you combine uh, Ryan Coogler and his brain trust – um, I think they can they, they can nail it in the same way, and this would be a good transition. The same way that race is spoken about, is is uh, sorry the same way race is talked about without being talked about in Creed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, talking about the experience of a young black man, as Gabriel's pointed out, bo- the um, the idea of the boxer is is an, a metaphor and an analogy for the black experience, mm-hmm. and how you know Adonis Creed actually comes from a wealthy background, mm-hmm. and they talk about that. You know, he he, he has a chip on his shoulder, like because he maybe he he thinks he lacks street cred, or other people thinks he lacks street cred. You know, and he feels like a mistake. He feels like a mistake. They call him Silver Spoon, right? You know. Yeah, I actually was thinking about Creed the other day, and the thought I had is. It's amazing how much that movie has to say about race and how subtly it actually says it. Yeah, um, and, and the fact that you – there's little things too. It, when uh, Tessa uh, Thompson um, as Bianca see, you know, sees Michael Bay with Rocky for the first time, he's packing up. He's oh, sorry. I meant to call you. and you know, This is my uncle. And Tessa Thompson just goes, he's white. And then Rocky pauses and goes, yeah, a long time now. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it's played for laughs, but you know, it's been commented by more than just me that you know, Rocky in 1976 with a very complex and intelligent um, and complicated uh, opponent with, mm-hmm. with Apollo Creed was yeah. way ahead of its time in terms of black characters on screen. And Rocky's always been an equal opportunist a- as a character, and St- Stallone is apparently that way as well. Sure. Very respected in all different communities for being open-minded and accepting of people and so forth. But there's also little things in Creed, like, you know, when, when he finds out Rocky has cancer, and then he goes to see... Uh, Bianca's show at at uh, at the right. Electric Factory, yep. and he gets into the fight with the rapper who's like mm-hmm. the opener. Yep, 
the when 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 Tessa Thompson is trying to intervene before the fight starts and calm things down, the rapper goes, "Stop acting all light skinned on me." You yeah. know, which is like a huge insult to both black and white people. I mean, it's like whatever, like that's just a horrible thing to say, given what he's saying, you know, what he's implying about being light skinned, you know, like that, that should even be an insult is insulting, if that makes sense, you know, sure. because she is light skinned, but that's, so he's making, so there, there's, there's really subtle, quick race moments that are very profound in Creed. So that's why I think Kugler can do it with Black Panther. You know, Doctor Strange is, uh, it's just going to be fun. I don't know how relevant it's going to be to anything else out there. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be about anything. I think, you know, I don't think there's a message to it other than maybe your life can end and you can find a new one if you're willing to be open-minded. But I I don't think there's going to be a point to that movie the way there might be a point. There was a point to Winter Soldier the way there was supposed to be, but maybe really wasn't a point to Civil War and the way we're hoping there was a point to uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, I mean... You know, I, I've been saying all along that I think that themes in Ultron are a bit deeper than they appear on the surface. And I think that we saw the fact that they relied so much on Ultron, um, uh, the movie, in mm-hmm. Civil War uh, to give it substance. You know, the survivors of Sokovia, the people yeah, who yeah, died, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, just shows that that, that was the case. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, so so there's gonna be a direct line from Civil War to the the uh, in Infinity War Part One, wouldn't you say? Like we're gonna know a lot more about the sustainability of the Marvel Cinematic Universe over the next two years. Oh yeah, when the aforementioned Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Black Panther. And by the way, we we have not mentioned Thor Ragnarok. Um, it, it, this seems like the good Thor movie. It's cosmic. There's no Natalie Portman. I don't think he's going to be on Earth at all. Mark Ruffalo is going to be in it, um, you know, as Banner slash the Hulk. Now they got Tessa Thompson in it, which is great. They got mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett in it, which is great. They're bringing Jamie Alexander, who's a huge star now, by the way, um, with her show Blind Spot, which I haven't seen, but I know a lot of people love that show. My parents it, watched that. They love shows like that, and they yeah. don't like it. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, I, I, it's not a show I would watch, but just the fact that she's famous after being Lady Sif, essentially, right. you know. Um, and then you get, and we're going to get Tom Hiddleston back. That's been confirmed mm-hmm. um, as Loki. So that could be, you know, that's going to have a lot of setting up to do. And we haven't even been talking about at all, man. And maybe this is, this is the, the high note to end on, right. which is... Um, it's not the one I'm the most excited about because you know how I feel about Black Panther. Right. And I think if they nail the Captain Marvel thing, I'll be excited to just have a, a female super, super, superhero, as I call him. Mm-hmm. But Guardians of the Galaxy, it seems guaranteed that movie's going to be fun, right? I, I don't know how it can't not be. I how mean, can it not be? Yeah, I'm really excited for that. I, I mean, they have such a good formula now about why it worked and what worked about it. They don't have to screw with it. They don't have to go back to the drawing board. They shouldn't just do the same thing again, but clearly they have a good sense of what works and what doesn't work in the character dynamics. And as long as they, they stick to that and make that the core of the movie, you know, everything else is fine. The bad guy can suck. The plot can be generic. 
if the Dude, characters... Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell's not going to suck. I think he's going to be he awesome. He very rarely does, So yeah. uh, unless you've seen uh, 3,000 Miles to Graceland. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and what's great is by adding Kurt Russell and on a lesser level, Sylvester Stallone to that movie, Yeah, it, those guys are action stars from the 80s, Yeah, which fits perfectly with the 80s-ness of Guardians and the fact that the new Guardians Volume 2 soundtrack is going to be all from the 80s, apparently. You know, so I mean, you know, there's been theories that Kurt Russell is going to play himself in a galactic, you know, that he's, he's, or at least there'll be a lot of jokes about, you know, Peter Cole being like, man, you look a lot like Kurt Russell or something, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) uh, which is really, so I, I think if nothing else, Guardians, as we've talked about, is sort of off the reservation in a good way. Yeah. Gets to do its own thing. Even when they come in with Infinity War, I think it's only going to happen in one of the movies. It's just too much logistics otherwise. What um, I can sort of see happening with that is Thanos is going to... I doubt he's just going to show up by himself. I'm thinking he's going to have an army or a fleet or something. And the... Uh, the Guardians and the Ravagers are going to have to be the ones who maybe start to do some of the the space fighting yeah. to defeat that part of Thanos' yep. force. Yep, they're uh, going to come at the last minute when the fleet, the enemy fleet's about to be deployed. Maybe even make a Star Wars joke, like have Star-Lord show up and go, yeehaw, like when he comes in to help them blow up the Death Star at the end of... Uh, oh. it, it, you know, if you watch original Guardians at the end with Michael Rooker as Yondu... Yeah. They try and sell well, I want to see so much more of. I yeah, love that, Michael Rooker. <laughs> oh, he's going to be in a lot. They, they they try and fake sell that he's going to kill Quill the next time he sees him. He's but not. he's not. And from everything I've heard, Yondu is going to be maybe morally ambiguous, but may, mainly a good guy going forward. It seems like Yondu is going to be going to be a good guy, and they're going to need him and his people. Um, indeed to fight um, the, the Thanos threat. Do you think, uh, who do you think is going to be doing more cosmic setting up? Thor Ragnarok or Guardians 2? Thor Ragnarok. For one, I think James Gunn has said Thanos isn't going to be in Guardians 2 at all. I don't think he's going to be in Ragnarok either. Yeah, but when Thor leaves at the end of Ultron, he says all of the Infinity Stones have become active suddenly after millennia of being dormant or whatever. I need to go find out why. It would suggest then that some of the plot of Ragnarok is going to be finding out why the Infinity Stones are active all of a sudden. So m- will he meet Thanos? Maybe, maybe not. Will he find an Infinity Stone? Maybe, maybe not. But he- that is certainly going to be one of the things that that movie is going to be about. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and I know I know I'm one of the only people that didn't mind the Thor subplot in in Ultron. Even Whedon acknowledges that that was shoehorned in. Um, but the visuals of seeing the Infinity Stones, um, which by the way, you haven't seen Ultron much, no. so you know he so he goes to the pool to revisit the dream. Yeah. And then you see all four Infinity Stones bust out of their form. So, like, right. you see the orb, and it pops into the purple one. And then you see the ether, and it turns into yeah. the... And then they line up the four, and there's a cloud gauntlet behind it that just looks like a cloud of ether. Mm-hmm. But if you look closely, the, the way the wispiness of the cloud lines up is basically the gauntlet. And I, as I've commented, yeah. I, I liked that Thor knew more about the Infinity Stones. And, and this is where they have to abandon the Nine Realms thing, because Thor and his people have already experienced so much more of the universe than the Nine Realms. Right. They, they just have to just forget. I mean, the Nine Realms can be sort of like their home, yeah. but I mean, we already, at the end of, uh, 
Which movie was it where um, Jamie Alexander uh, brings the ether to the collector? That's at the end of Thor: The Dark World. Right. So if they've been to to nowhere, right? Yeah. Which is the the giant uh, head. the head the of the giant head. celestial head, which is awesome. Yeah. Um. So you know they've been outside the realm. So yeah, I agree with you. I, I think they're gonna want as as their May movie as the, you know as basically their Star Wars Junior or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're gonna want Guardians to just be straight up fun, and they'll yeah. tease some stuff. But I think yeah, with Thor and Black Panther being the last two movies in that order before Infinity War. It would make sense for Thor to set things up cosmically and then Black Panther to set up things on Earth mm-hmm. with, with a cosmic connection. So I'm actually really excited about that. Those trio of movies um, will be really cool. Um, but, you know, just to uh, um, to pivot a little bit towards the end here, because I actually have to go in a little bit and see <laughs> Civil, Civil War again with my dad. I'm seeing it on IMAX non-3D tonight. <laughs> Which I'm excited about because I've gotten good sound once and really bad sound another time. So uh, I don't normally do the super huge screen, but we figured we'd give it a try. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, you, you can keep talking about the comic book stuff. I will just say, and I was trying to explain this to Matt beforehand, they're not comic book or even superhero movies, but there, there are things in the structure of the main characters of both Creed and The Martian, which were my top two movies. I mean, you know how much I rave about Ultron. Oh, yeah. But 2015, I got Creed and the Martian way at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put Star Wars third. That was just playing to the audience. I sh- and because I had done so much Ultron coverage in the past, mm-hmm. I actually liked Ultron better than The Force Awakens. But um, uh, anyways, for me, the, the, the Matt Damon character is, is, is a real-life um, uh, superhero, and not in the comic book sense, but just in being more than a hero and, and going w- well beyond, you know, what what most mortals could do. Mm-hmm. And cre- Creed, to a lesser extent, but it has to do with the structure of the origin story and how they do character development and like Martian, the teamwork felt like a team up movie, you know, like the way that the five. I mean, if you look at it, the five characters on the Hermes, led by Jessica Chastain and Michael Pena, really are are, are like the a toast. The the Ares, um, no the no no the Ares is the um, the launch ship on the ground. The Hermes is the is the giant ship that picks up the the various Ares. Um, okay. uh, anyway, so uh, those five are the, sort of the toned down, realistic version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, they were like a, a pirate crew, you know, and they even bucked NASA's authority and did their own thing, and they did the mm-hmm. slingshot. I mean. I guess what I'm saying is I need more movies like Creed and Martian so that, you know, the big Hollywood stuff I see isn't just purely comic book movies. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, the thing to remember about comic book movies is they're kind of, they're a mix of warrior mythology, uh, mostly Greek, but I mean, you can certainly find other mythologies that kind of, you see those same character types and science fiction. I mean, all of, we talked about this in, I believe the, Man of Steel audio commentary about how a lot of the uh, great science fiction writer, uh, comic writers got their start in sci-fi. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Breaking news. Michael B. Jordan is going to be in Black Panther. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can't believe Kugler is bringing him along for a third movie. I'm sorry. I working with him. No, that's huge. This was released three minutes ago. He's done Chronicle, which was decent. He did Fantastic Four, which was horrible. This is it. So now we have Coogler, Stallone, Tessa Thompson, and Michael B. Jordan all in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
world, you're welcome. Isn't Lupita Nyong'o going to be in Black Panther as well? She was just cast in something. Yeah, Lupita is also going to be. Uh, she's, right. she's, I think, going to be the Black Panther's love interest. I, I who cares? It's Lupita Nyong'o. I'll watch her yeah. do anything. Amazing. Right. If this movie isn't good now, yeah. I mean, Marvel. Then, then that means that this uh, this genre is maybe starting to die a little bit because this movie has way more than all of than enough elements to be a fantastic movie. I mean, it's got no excuse if it's not good after this. I, I, I mean, I, I, I look. I made my prediction about Black Panther with after the casting of Chadwick Boseman and the announcement of October 2014. Which was, you know, the Disney thing where Kevin Feige announced the entire Phase Three slate. Mm-hmm. Now they've added Spider Man and, and Ant Man and Wasp, but most of the movies were announced then. As soon as I heard about Black Panther and started reading Black Panther comic books, I've thought since then that this is going to be one of the best, if not the best, Marvel movies ever. And I'm just lucky <laughs> that Coogler, Michael B, and Lupita have all been added since then. I could not have foreseen that. Um, and this is what happens when you got good people and good karma, right? I mean, you just, that's what Marvel does so well. They, they, they have an excess of talent, but it never feels like having famous people just to be famous. Like is the case in Batman v Superman and Man of Steel, right? Mm -hmm. You had all, you had Lawrence Fishburne and you had, you know, Amy Adams and you had uh, Diane Lane and Kevin Costner and Russell Crowe and none of them were really needed to be famous people. Right. It's the difference between what we talked about between, you know, being a celebrity and being a star. Um, Marvel seems to be handling it well. Um, It'll be interesting to see what comes out about the, the, uh, the Michael B story. Anyway, sorry to interrupt you. This will be a good way to wrap up. Which is that Marvel clearly has the advantage. Yeah. I, I would love to see a third player come in along. In movies, not in TV. In movies. In TV, in movies. It's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in movies. Movies, Marvel has the advantage. I wish we could get more movies like the Hellboy movies mm-hmm. from uh, totally different universes. Yep. You know, I will cop to the fact that there are probably some second and third tier characters in DC. Like, the, who was the guy that they announced today? Uh, Booster Gold. Right. There's there's more guys like that or, or women like that that we haven't sure. even heard of yet. They just need to get the right producers and the right directors. So I still think the future, despite Batman and Superman being terrible, despite Civil War being you know a B plus A minus movie instead of an A or an A plus movie, and despite X Men looking like it's going to be pretty pretty bitter bad, I could even see Doctor Strange being so so. But with that cast, I have to think it's going to be good. I still think the future is bright. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, that, that properties like the Black Panther are mobilizing enthusiasm from the talent themselves. And this is why I thought X-Men would be good, because it seemed like the talent was very enthusiastic about the project. But apparently that didn't make a difference. Yeah, I, I think the future still has potential. I think it is looking a lot shakier now than it did three months ago when we had just gotten Deadpool and it was fantastic and the only thing that really had been a flop was fantastic for the previous august and everybody saw that coming and nobody cared three months later now we've had two movies that were disappointing to a lesser or greater extent bvs was really disappointing um uh, and civil war was underwhelming only because marvel ramped up the pre uh, debut hype to an obscene degree but it, and then it seems like X Men is going to be disappointing, um, but I don't know. I, I I think it's shakier now, but there's still some promising stuff coming down the line. 
you want to talk about something really weird that's in the comics world that's coming out yeah. um, on May 22nd, which is a week from Sunday, we are going to get Preacher on AMC, which is this insane, funny, crazy, weird comic uh, that was put out by uh, Vertigo. It's uh, by Garth Ennis. The premise is a preacher who has lost his faith gets imbued with this being called Genesis, which gives him powers. There is a character called the Saint of Killers, who's basically the Grim Reaper, but he's a cowboy. I don't know if he's going to be in the show or not. Hmm. There are assassins and vampires and a messiah that they've developed by inbreeding the line of Jesus Christ line, like for thousands of years. So that, so the child has powers, but is also crazy. Hmm. Um, it's so bizarre and so out there. Uh, and it's got Dominic Cooper who plays young Howard Stark, who, if you watched agent Carter, he lights up the screen. Oh, he's hilarious in cap one too, with his limited screen time. Um, so the cast looks good. It's got Ruth Nega, at, uh, who was, um, yep. Uh, she was the, what the hell was the, the girl I on Agents remember. of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She's the queen in Warcraft, too. Sorry, yeah, I'll stop bringing it up. Yeah, the one who wears the flower dresses and then gets turned into the weird bird monster. Um, yep. Whatever the hell that actress is. Yeah, yeah, that we, character. yeah. It's her. Um, and then she was British, the first in human, essentially. The first revealed in human on the show, I believe. Yeah, and then the vampire is played by a British guy named Joe Goulgan, I think his name is. He's... Cassidy is this Irish punk vampire who's really drinks a lot and fights people all the time. It looks insane. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to follow right after Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, which is the Walking Dead spinoff. Um, we did not get to Walking Dead, but obviously we need to acknowledge it. Yeah, quick, uh, quick tease to the BizzleCast listeners. We had so much ground to cover here. Um, we didn't get to all the TV properties. I think, Matt, it would be cool if you know every couple months we do uh, like, a, like an updated TV podcast. Sure. And I'll try and catch up on some of the stuff, too, so we can go full spoiler and, and we can talk about everything. Okay. Um, uh, actually, the summer would be a good time to do one because that's when the, most of the series have wrapped. Yeah. So I'll have time to really catch up online once everything gets to netflix and so forth so tease a uh, couple shows that we'll we'll listen to in the next uh or, or that we'll talk about in the next tv bizzlecast go ahead cool no i mean uh yeah there's that and there's walking dead which has to be acknowledged it's one of the highest rated shows in on tv uh it didn't end super well its last four or five episodes this season were pretty weak but it's still very good it is obviously based off of a comic property um, and it's kind of its own thing because it's on AMC. It's in its own world, sort of. There's Fear the Walking Dead, which is just sort of a prequel with other characters. It takes place on the other side of the country. Um, it's okay. Um, I like Walking Dead. I catch it every week. I usually watch it night of, ex- except that when I get home from work, I've got it on DVR, but I have to eat dinner. And watching zombies get blown up is really an unappetizing <laughs> thing to watch. So I usually have to watch something like more mild uh, so I can actually like eat my dinner and then watch it yeah. later. I, honestly, I'm not a zombie werewolf vampire person at yeah. all. Now, you've mentioned the possibility of, of doing extended universes. Not that they should or shouldn't, but that they will for some of these kind of properties. Um, I hope that's not the case, or at least I hope that it's not going to take away from other things the way the Hunger Games kind of did. You know what I mean? That that could be filling those slots because as we've talked about there's only a few good slots. There, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. Deadpool pioneered the February slot that used to be right. nothing. 
Um, you know, April has only been kind to the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman v Superman in late March, early April did not do well. Um, you know, May is obviously the, the the key time, and then you have a couple summer dates. You know, and then you've got sort of the the, the magical. You know, Thor, Doctor Strange, or Hunger Gamesy, uh, Harry Potter, November release, and then Star Wars owns Christmas probably for the rest of our life. Pretty much. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, any final thoughts? Um, oh, really quickly, have you seen the trailer for Rogue One? And what are your thoughts on that? I think it looks great. I mean, I, I, I awesome. don't know how deep it's going to be, but it looks really fun. It looks cool. Yeah. I like that it's in the old world. Um, the Watch, which is a podcast uh, that's part of the Bill Simmons network, um, they made the comment that if you're like a British brunette ages 22 to 32 <laughs> and you haven't been cast yet in a Star Wars movie, you should fire your agent because it seems like they're just getting all of them. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it's Felicity Jones, right? Yeah, and, and Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker, who a, a wonderful actor. Holy crap, one of my, one of my favorites. So That's going to be awesome. I, I will definitely be seeing that, probably Christmas Day. Uh, you know, Jews, uh, that's all we do on Christmas Day is go eat Chinese and watch the movie. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that will be, as uh, I have the day off, uh, will be my Christmas Day movie with my family. It is pretty brilliant, though, that the primary lead in both Star Wars movies so far is female, Young yeah. and then the secondary lead in both Star Wars movies so far as African American. Um, it's not a coincidence. It's no, smart to have lead. It, it's especially smart to have lead female characters. I have been complaining. I mean, other than Black Panther, like when are we going to get a lead female black action star? You yeah. know, like it has to happen. You know, I mean, we have Storm. I mean, that's it. You know, and. She didn't even tried. do that much. Zoe Saldana was in a movie. I think it was called Columbiana about a female assassin. She's well, no, no. Zoe Saldana is the one. Right. She's Latina. Who cares? She's still a person of color. Yeah. But but even in Guardians, she's got different skin color. You know. I right. mean. Yeah. She really only gets to play herself. Avatar is the same thing. She's not even herself. She only gets to play herself as a horror in Star Trek, which for me is enough. I love her as a horror in Star Trek. I could watch that all day. Uh, yeah. But the, Zoe's really the only one out there. You well, know? She doesn't get to do a lot of ass-kicking as Uhura. She does a lot of translating and making out with Zach Kinto. Well, um, that's true. But she, she's just a strong personality, right. which I like. What um, you were saying about diversity, uh, yes. it's a great thing to pursue – when it's done right. Right yeah. now we are seeing an example of when it's going completely off the rails, which is they're trying to make this, I don't know if it's going to be a bunch of movies or TV shows or both or what, but they're trying to adapt the Dark Tower series by Stephen King, which is this kind of mix of Arthurian knights and like cowboys, um, and they're trying to save the universe, basically. In the comics, uh, the main character, Roland, is distinctly described as being white, and then when he meets Susanna, who is one of his accomplices, not accomplices, they're part of what's called a cotet. It's like a group. Uh, she's black and she is from the 60s and she doesn't trust white people. Um, and it makes their dynamic as they learn to trust each other more interesting. Now they're adapting it. They've cast Idris Elba as Roland, whatever, fine. But then they haven't cast Susanna yet. They've cast a white actress as somebody named Tiana who I've hmm. never heard of, and I've read all of those books. Hmm. And then they cast an Asian woman as some kind of psychic of a character who I've never heard of. I, I don't know that she 
is in any of the Dark Tower books, prequels, short stories, comics, anything. I've never heard of this character. Hmm. So it just strikes me as a movie making by checklist of a, you know, of a marketing group getting together and being like, okay, well, we want Chinese people to see this movie. So let's make up a Chinese character and cast an, an Asian actress just so we can get that market. Right, but this is my argument. So you got that on the one side, and then people who are upset about the quote unquote whitewashing of Tilda Swinton. And, yeah. You know, I mean, you know. People are more, way more people are upset about Tilda Swinton than about this thing with Dark Tower. Dark Tower news is the only people who really pour over that are the people who are fans of those books. When Marvel makes a decision, the whole world reacts to it. Um, yep. And one of the many things that made uh, The Martian so great was so many ethnicities, races, nationalities, ages. I mean, that was like, you know, that, that's, that's what the future, we hope, looks like, you know? Right. Um, and, and that particular battle for more Asian representation, I think, is where the next front of this battle for more diversity is going to be fought. First, it was there are too many men running the show. So they started to create more, maybe not enough, but certainly more women in lead roles in these uh, like genre film, superhero, sci-fi, fantasy, whatever. Then it was too many white people. So then we started to get more b- people of color. Yep. The next thing I think is really going to be more of a cry for uh, Asian superheroes and Asian leads in these kind of films and Hispanic ones. And if we go to the comics, you think there aren't enough women or black superheroes. There are not nearly enough Asian or Hispanic ones that aren't stereotypes. I can only name like three off the top of my head. And none of them are headliners. Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, if you just look at Michael Pena and Ant-Man. Right. Everyone agrees he's funny. Some people thought he was too stereotypical. Yeah, I I go back and forth about that myself. I mean, I didn't find that to be the case. I I have um, some some Mexican friends who were not offended by that at all, which doesn't mean other people shouldn't be or can't be. But it's not like... You know, the the people it was supposedly stereotyping it doesn't seem to be, a, I mean, there wasn't an outcry really on Twitter or anything like that. But the thing is, you look at Michael Pena in The Martian, right. and he's still playing a Latino dude, but it's much more subtle. Yeah. And they sell it through things like, you know, Matt Damon carving his Jesus statue to use as fuel. Right. Um, and stuff like that. Well, he doesn't do anything that's stereotypical or cliched. He just makes jokes because everybody in that movie is cracking jokes because I, I get the sense that's the only way they can deal with how stressful the situation they're in uh, is, to, is to mock it. And in the right. book, uh, Mark uh, Watney's sense of humor is like, assuming I don't die tomorrow, I'm going to try right. doing this. And he just makes like gallows jokes all the time. So it's a defense mechanism, and I bought it, you know? Yeah, it, there's like the whole bit where uh, Jessica, at the end they have to figure out how to reverse thrust Jessica Chastain comes up with building a bomb. Right. And she says to Vogel, the gerba guy, Vogel, I need you to come in here and uh, build a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I just like to, uh, he responds to it. He's like, I just want to point out that having an explosive device on a spaceship is a very, very, very bad yeah. idea. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's true. That's what made the Martian humor so great is that it was almost like 
therapeutic as a as a watcher too because you kind of knew going into the movie no one was going to die but they still did a great job of making the stakes there mm-hmm. and not knowing how things were going to get solved and you know, every, you know there's a lot of yeah we could die jokes that's exactly if i talk about this too you know with the 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 best russo writing and the best whedon writing and the best gun writing the the, the best time to make the funniest jokes in these types of movies is during the dangerous situations you know it, it like because because you're tense and it and it and it it loosens, you know, it loosens the tension, and it, it, that's exactly how, you know, if there were superheroes, and like, for example, Navy SEALs, you know, I mean, I, I don't really know if that's the case, but my guess is, you know, like, r- r- people who really do have to fight, you have to have some sense of humor about it just to keep yourself sane, I guess, but uh, we're getting off topic here. Yeah. Um, anyways, buddy, well, thanks so much for doing this. I apologize for some of the technical difficulties. Um, yeah, it happens listeners. Yeah, well, I'm going to use my Mad Bizzle skills to uh, make it seem like nothing even happened. Just had a, a couple of blackout moments, uh, outages at the at the place. Um, any final thoughts about the uh, the future of the thing we love so much? Uh, no, I think we've covered it pretty much. We'll, I mean, we'll have to revisit it, you know, at the end of the summer to see how Suicide Squad was. We're going to have to see, you know, does. Uh, Doctor Strange land or does it kind of sink a little bit? Right. Um, you know, we're going to keep getting these Marvel movies for the next three or four years. Whatever happens with X Men and the DCEU and what goes on on TV, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I am positive, is going to go through the end of phase three and probably at least halfway through whatever their phase four plans are. So this isn't a conversation that's over, it's one that we're going to have to keep revisiting over and over and over again every four or five months or so until 2025 maybe, which is fine. You know, yeah. I'm excited uh, to see where this goes. I'm, I'm glad to have one of the big topics in pop culture be something that when I was a kid was considered really, really niche and not worth exploring on a larger uh, scale of, you know, comics were not part of the zeitgeist in the 90s, but I feel like they very much are part of the pop culture zeitgeist of the uh, mid 2000s and 2010s. So I'm, I'm excited. I kind of, I'm pumped up that that's the case. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and I'll end on, on the one that I'm most excited about, which is black Panther. And the fact that they've had really three major casting announcements in the past week or two. The first was just that they were going to have four major female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was a given at least four major characters, um, meaning like more than just a couple lines. Um, and then, you know, Lupita and then Michael B within like a three day period just shows how attractive people are to this property. Mm-hmm. I think the important thing will be to keep white people engaged um, leading up to it. I think you know we need some white people good guys in that movie. Um, you can't just have I don't know all. If you white do or you don't. Guys. I mean, there were I no. I mean, me white... personally, I'd be fine without it. But I just think to sell it to a public that thinks Africa's a country, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think the people who really feel like that are not going to want to go see it just because there's one token white guy in it. I think the people who want to see this movie are going to see it regardless of what the racial breakdown or the numbers are sure. for the cast. I, I mean, I saw straight out of Compton and that the only white person in that movie is the bad is Well, he's the antagonist. He's not a bad guy exactly, but it didn't bother me that there were no white good guys. I didn't give a shit. I think a lot of people that are interested in Black Panther at all are going to feel exactly the same way. Well, buddy, despite our best efforts, we have another three-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Although maybe cutting out a few of the little things that messed up, we'll get it to like two hours and 45 minutes if we're lucky. So thank you so much. I need to go get ready to see Civil War again. Yes, I am on cloud nine about this Michael B. Jordan announcement. Matt, I'm sure I will be texting you and Facebooking you all weekend. I apologize in advance. <laughs> and uh, thanks, BizzleCast listeners. We are out.